Okay, Rabbi Yisrael, let's begin and continue our Gavaliga quest. Uh, today is going to be a little bit of hard work. Uh, I'll try, try to get over as much as we can in an easy way. We've learned, and we are learning, that the key to a good marriage is not necessarily to find the right partner, but it is rather to be the right partner. And that's pretty much what we are uh, working on very much through these weeks, is every week something else that is nogeya to marriage and nogeya to our entire lives when it comes to relationships. So today, I want to talk about something which every single relationship requires, which is quite hard to do, but it's important to talk about, and that is flexibility. Every single relationship, specifically a relationship of marriage, requires some degree, at certain times more and certain times less, of flexibility. That means the ability to adapt the ability to change, right? There, it's not, it's not shaykh for every situation that we have in our lives to always be exactly the same. There's always going to be situations that come up and those situations don't exactly always go according to the plan that we imagined would be the plan. It's our job to sometimes learn to be flexible. And that's a very important thing. If you remember, at the beginning we discussed the idea that Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, Zatzal said, I think we said over the idea, of a mezuzah, that before a man walks through the front door and goes into his home and sees, and he sees and starts talking to his wife, is he looks at the mezuzah. The mezuzah, as we know, according to Ashkenazim, is slanted. Because there's a machlokas rishonim. Is it should it be straight up like the Sfardim do, or should it be lying down? Machlokas rishonim. Lemaisa, according to the minigot Ashkenaz, is that we do both. And as we're makayim both shidis, we're putting it slanted. That's why the Sefer Torah is slanted on the bima. Same idea. Right? The same machlokas, by the way. Zogob Yaakov Kamenetsky, when a man goes home and he's about to interact and communicate and talk to his wife, we'll talk about communication in Mitzvah next week, but the idea is stop and think pshara. Very first thing when you walk into the door is you've got a machlokas, we're showing him how to make the mezuzah, and what do we do? We make a pshara by doing it slanted. Therefore, when we go into the house, we have to know we're about to interact with someone that has different ideas, has different upbringing, has different goals, has different everything. And therefore, of course, we try to strive to be as close as we can together and work together to our mutual goals. But after all, that does require a certain amount of flexibility. Chazal tell us that since the world was created, what is the Rabbi Nishlalim doing Kaviyachal all day? Not that there's time, Eitzel the Rabbi Nishlalim, but Kaviyachal to our limited physical understanding. What is the Rabbi Nishlalim doing? So the Gemara tells us very clearly, Mizavik, Shidduchim, Baruch is making Shidduchim. Now what does that mean, that the Rabbi Nishlalim is making Shidduchim, which seemingly can be done, again, to the Rabbi Nishlalim standard, could be done in, in seconds, the entire world altogether. So the answer is, says Rabbi Sha'aron Stern, the Mashkiach of Kamenitz Yeshiva, he explains that even after people are married and he's made the shidduch, there still has to be constant effort to keep them together. Getting married, staying married. So Gomosha Aaron Stern, in you may have got married, but now you have to keep married. And that is through the flexibility and the realization that people are different. Men and women are different. People have different ideals. People have different upbringing. You came from a different place. I'll just give you a small example I remember dealing with a couple where he came into the marriage assuming that she would do the finances. She would open up the mail. She would sort out the bills. She came into the marriage assuming that he would do all of the finances and the bills and the maintenance of the house, whatever it may be. 
And they came with like, what, what's going on over here? This is ridiculous. He's like, she's meant to do it. She's like, he's meant to do it. This is not Beseda. The answer is very simple. They came each from a home where each saw the other parent doing it. He came from a home where he saw his, his, his mother doing it. And she came from a home where she saw her father doing it. So if they naturally assumed that each one would do what they saw at home, when obviously that's not going to work. So obviously there requires to be flexibility. If a person is rigid, by the way, in life, it makes a very difficult person. Chazal tell us in the Mishnah Perkyavas, you can't even be a Rebbe, you can't teach anyone. If you are, if you are a very rigid person, then you cannot do anything for anybody else, especially in a marriage. If you are makbid on your position, on your daya, on your opinion, that's going to be a terrible, terrible midah, and it's something to start working on now. The realization that we're not always right, and there are other people in the world, we don't live in our own bubble, and sometimes we have to be flexible and adapt to the situation. Revelle Lepian Zatzal once said that just like a person humbly accepts the Rabbi Shalaylam as the creator of the world, is a considered to be a partner in my separations in the creation of the world. So too, if a person humbly accepts his wife's position or opinion in order to prevent an argument or a fight, is a partner with the Rabbi Nishalaylam in making and maintaining shiduchim and marriages. And one of the answers for this is definitely flexibility. To recognize and acknowledge that not necessarily are we always in the right, not necessarily is our perspective, the perspective that someone else will see, if you remember the example we gave right in the beginning from Stephen Covey about the glasses, that we sometimes see our world with our glasses and we expect everybody else to see our world with our glasses. And the answer is no, they have their own glasses, they have their own perspective and their own opinions and their own upbringing that causes those opinions. We have to respect that. And that requires flexibility. It requires the ability for a person to sometimes say, you know what, maybe my opinion isn't the right one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe even if I'm right, I can learn to adapt in this situation. Right? And it's a very, very important thing. One of the first steps to affect any change is to stop blaming outside sources Right, It's nobody else's fault and acknowledge that it's only a result generally of our own actions that sometimes causes uh, things to happen. And uh, it's a humbling experience to, to be able to admit that. It's, it's very hard. It's not easy, especially for a man, to admit that we are wrong, to admit that there is another opinion, that there's another day out there, but it's something that we have to work on. It takes a lot of humility, but that brings change. That brings connection. And that brings closeness. The Gemara tells us that humility, anova, is the key to any change. And the Gemara tells us that a full cup cannot take anything more. If once it's full, it's full. Nothing you can do about it. Right? Says the Gemara, so what are you meant to do? You empty it a bit. So if a person's full cup, his own person, his own personality is full of his own opinions and his own rightfulness that he believes that he's right, whatever his opinion goes then it's a problem. We have to spill out some of our cup in order to accept something new. And that's a very important thing. We have to sometimes also see that the results that we're in are a direct result of the consequences of our own actions. Let me give you an example. There's a Mordecai Medrash. The Medrash says like this, an interesting Medrash, that there was a family that was very upset with the father of the family that was an alcoholic. And he used to get drunk the whole time. And it was completely out of control. Medrash brings it down. And they just couldn't speak sense into him. He was constantly getting drunk. He was constantly causing problems in the family. They just didn't know what to do. So Medrash, they decided one day to figure it out. They saw another drunk guy lying in the gutter. 
There's lying in the gutter all over the place. Mamash, a mess, disgusting, horrible, horrible sight. And had an idea. They schlepped the father to watch the sight. And the father was watching what was happening. And they would say to him, look, you see, this is what happens to you. This is what you look like. And they thought maybe he'll see that and be like, whoa, he'll change his ways. With Desla brings us to Melio, that sometimes you have to go all the way down or see all the way down in order to go up. But al in the Medrash says that he schlepped the father there. He saw it. He looked at the guy, says the Medrash. He bent down. And he whispered in the drunk guy's ear and says, tell me something, what alcohol are you using? This is unbelievable. This is great. Sometimes, says the Medrash, we don't see the consequences of our own actions. We don't see ourselves as doing anything or getting anywhere as well. That's an amazing thing, right? We don't realize where we got to. People, and I think this is an important idea, that people either live in the past or live in the future. They're busy with what happened or what could happen without concentrating on the present. And they become stuck on the past, or they become stuck on what's going to be in the future, and they're never busy with now. They're constantly worried about what will be or what was. And this in a marriage is very, very detrimental. It can be very damaging. right? I have a couple that um, whenever the husband calls me up, I know I'm in for a, a long evening. Every single time there's an argument, they bring up every argument that ever happened since the day they got married until that day. And this, and also this, and there was also this, and do you remember also that? But the problem is, we think of it, I'm like, oh, how stupid can that be? The answer is, we do the same thing sometimes. We don't forget and give up and let go of what happened, because we're not living in the present. I'll give you an example. Take a lesson from a child. Take a young child. Right? You ever saw this? A child could be crying their eyes out. A young kid, a two-year-old, crying their eyes out. They hurt themselves. You took something away from them. Whatever it may be. Crying their eyes out. Give the child the lollipop. It takes two seconds for the child to change. All of a sudden, the child's smiling. I understand. A minute ago, you were crying your eyes out. A moment ago, you were so depressed and so sad and so terrible, the whole world was coming crumbling down. I give you a lollipop, and all of a sudden, the world is great. You know why? Because the child lives in the moment. The child only understands now. What's in right, right now I have a lollipop, right now I'm happy. Now I'm not saying that we have to live like a child, but we take the message of what a child does. A child learns how to live now in the moment without living in the past. And that's a very, very important thing. We have to learn how to move on from various things that happened, not to be worried about what happened or what will happen. I'll tell you a great line which I once heard. Somebody once said, that most of, listen to this, a great line, most of the things that I worry about never happen. So it shows that worrying helps. Because everything I worry about never happens anyway. So worrying obviously helps. The answer is that we don't realize that we're busy in our minds worrying about what was and what will be without concentrating on the present. When you concentrate on the present, you learn to be flexible. You learn to adapt to various situations. In this, relationships can be improved in a tremendous, tremendous way. It can affect relationships because we cling on to our problems. We cling on to the things that we hold to be correct, that we hold are right, and therefore we're not willing to give in. You know, people don't talk to other people and friends for years and years because of one thing that they said. You know what a terrible thing that is? We're not willing to let go. We have to learn to live in the presence. And that requires self-control. And self-control is an incredible meter. That if we teach ourselves that now, then we can learn in marriage to have that self-control to be able to live in the present. There was a study done in America. They took a big bunch of four-year-old children. Four-year-old children. And they gave each one a marshmallow. And they said, what you could do, you have a choice. You can either eat it now or... You can wait 20 minutes, and if you wait 20 minutes, 
then I'll give you another marshmallow. That's what they did. Four-year-old children. Again, either you eat it now, or you wait 20 minutes, and I'll give you another second one. Okay? 20 minutes later, they looked around, they took down the results. A third of the kids still had their marshmallow. They were willing at four years old to wait 20 minutes and not eat that delicious, wonderful marshmallow that they wanted because they wanted another one. Okay? Now what they did was, they followed those children from four years old throughout the rest of their lives. And they came out with a study that the children, those third children, that were able to wait 20 minutes to eat the marshmallow, right? They had resisted. They had had to exercise self-control, not eat the marshmallow, did much better in their relationships with with their spouses than all the other two-thirds. Why? Because they exercised self-control. When you have self-control, you have the ability to control yourself, you have the ability to adapt, you have the ability to let go. That's what it's all about. Living in the present means that you forgive. How many spouses have problems with this that they just cannot let go, they cannot forgive? It bothers them. And that bother, by the way, means it adds to other bothers and other problems and everything adds up. And all of a sudden, she left the cap of the toothpaste off and the next morning you find the toothpaste dry and you blow up and walk in the next morning to work, coil or whatever it is, and you're a different person because look at what she did. And any normal person would say, what? There's a toothpaste thing, big deal. For $3, you're going to make a machoikis, you're going to make a fight that's going to last two days. The answer is it wasn't that. It was a buildup of so much that you didn't let go. And if you learn to let go, and you learn to forgive and forget and move on and live in the present, life is too short to hold on to all the problems. Life is too short to hold on to all the situations that happened in the past. That's what we have to do. Learn to live in the present. And when you, you hold on to resentment and you hold on to the things that people did you wrong, you're carrying around the weight of everything you have in the past into the present. And that makes a heavy burden and that causes relationships to crumble, to fall and become very, very complicated. Would you listen to a bad tape many times again and again? No. You'd get rid of it and move on. It's the same thing over here. It's such an important thing to do. The Vilna Goyen has a parish on Mishle and he writes how important it is for a person. And he talks about how the muscles of a person actually tightened up when a person... When a person thinks about emotionally painful or physical uh, experiences that he has, the longer we keep hold on to these things, the more stress it brings into the, our life. And that's what we have to realize. The Messiah Shashom in Perik brings down, the Ramchal says that it's so difficult to overcome feelings of animosity and revenge. In fact, the Messiah Shashom famously says that revenge is sweet. Sweet revenge. It's geschmack. It feels good. Because then I feel like I did something back. When I'm wronged, it's sweet to give revenge back to that person. And by the way, people think they could do this in their marriage as well. You know, I've had a guy says to me one time that, you know, I'm going to get my wife back. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you know how many times I have to wait for her to get ready for a wedding? It's ridiculous. I've got a bar mitzvah coming up of her brother. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take my time and I'm going to make sure that she's going to be like, so she... I mean, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? That you're, oh, so your marriage is going to be much better after you do that, right? The problem is, says the Ramchal, it's difficult to let go. It's difficult to realize that at the end of the day, it takes a lot of strength of character to be able to overcome the natural desire of revenge and hate somebody and remove it completely from our heart. But that is the only way we could do it. By living in the present, by understanding that we have to be flexible, the understanding that we have to adapt. And again, this takes a lot of self-restraint, a lot of self-control, a lot of effort. This is not easy. 
But this is something that we can actually train ourselves and work on ourselves now in a small way. The Ramchal says how important this is for marriage as well. If a couple has an argument and they keep the old arguments together with the new ones, everything just piles up. The strength of character that you exercise when you realize that perhaps not your opinion has to be brought in right now. Maybe you need to remain silent. Maybe now is not the time to bring up something now that her mother did all those months ago that you think now is a great time to mention it. No. No, you have to learn self-restraint. You have to learn to live in the moment. And again, stay in the present. It's so easy to fall into the laps of discussing past history that will not solve the present. To blame each other for past mistakes and statements will only prevent the situation from getting better. Rabbi Sai, this week's exercise is this. Realize to live in the moment. Learn to live in the moment. It's an incredible idea. The Chayzim Lublin once, once was asked by one of his Talmidim. He used to have a practice that before he davened, and he would daven with a tremendous simcha, that before he davened, he'd give out candy to children. And they said, what's pshat? Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Why do you give candy to children before you daven? So they saw that he did that. And he said, I'll tell you why. Because they see the simcha that it gives to a child. I want that simcha to come in my life as well. It's something that we can learn from children. The simcha, living in the moment. Let's live in the moment. Let's live in the situation that the Rebbe gives us. Let's learn to be flexible. Let's learn that we have to adapt to certain situations. And through that, all of our relationships will hopefully be improved. Tomorrow, next week, we're going to be discussing the sugya of communication.